0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Because maybe it's hard for us to fully wrap our head around someone being that gracious to us. Someone just canceling a big debt that we owe I remember a time, it was about 25 years ago. Pat and I were, we were new to the church. We had been there uh, maybe about a year. I was also rather a new Christian at the time and the church was hosting a weekend marriage retreat and we signed up to go. It was our first marriage retreat and we were pretty excited about it. When we got to the retreat hotel, Pat dropped me off so that I could go check in and pay the bill while he handled the car and luggage. And I'm not exactly sure why we didn't pay the bill ahead of time, but that was the situation. And I remember walking up to the woman who was sitting at the check-in desk. And I said, hi, I wanna check in and I wanna pay my bill for this marriage retreat. And she said, what's your name? And of course I said, Pat and Julie Visker." She took a pause, looked in her books, and she looked up at me and she said, you don't owe anything. And I was totally confused, cause I knew that I didn't pay the bill. And she, I said, yeah, we, we owe, we haven't paid. And I, I think it was about $200 at that time. But I knew that I hadn't paid the bill and I knew that Pat hadn't paid the bill. And she insisted that we didn't know Oh, anything and I proceeded to argue with her (laughs) what is wrong with me (laughs) and then I didn't give up so then she said someone paid your bill and I literally said to her no one would do that for us I really believed that at the time So then she showed me her ledger book. She showed me zero balance. And I just couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't comprehend that kind of graciousness. And as I said, I was a new Christian. I just wasn't used to that. Then I turned around to see if Pat had come in yet. And I saw, as I turned around to look for him, I saw someone sitting in the corner. He was just smiling and laughing at me. I knew, I knew at that moment, he was the one that paid our bill. And that was Pat's deceased brother now. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I can still see that smile as he was laughing at me. And to this very day, His graciousness still overwhelms me. Now how much more should I be thankful for the graciousness of our Lord who paid the debt for my sin? The retreat was only a weekend away. Eternal life is forever. What our Lord did for us at that cross should cause our hearts to overflow with love and thankfulness. He gave us life that will last forever and ever. Colossians two thirteen and 14 tells us, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross. His blood was spilled to pay the debt of sin that we owed. How grateful we should be One of the greatest blessings in any of our lives is to come to that realization that we need Jesus. We absolutely need him. Without his forgiveness, we are dead in our sins and we're separated from God forever. Our soul desperately needs him. We should never forget our desperate need for Jesus. The heart that recognizes their need for Jesus is a blessed heart. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit doesn't mean to be down, depressed, unlively, weak-hearted, To be poor in spirit is a good thing. It means that we recognize our own insufficiency to save ourselves, our works, our deeds. They can never, never be good enough to forgive us of our sins and earn us salvation. And that's why we have a desperate need for the forgiveness of Jesus To be poor in spirit is to humbly recognize our desperate need for our Savior. To be poor in spirit is to have a heart that says, Lord, I need you. No matter who we are, no matter what our background is, no matter what our status in life is, don't we all need Jesus without his forgiveness? We can't stand righteous before a holy God. We can only be made righteous through Jesus Christ to be in the presence of our God forever. It takes a heart of humility to be poor in spirit. This is the kind of heart that Jesus saw in the sinful woman in Luke chapter seven. Let's read Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Short pause here. Reclining at the table was a common position at a banquet meal. Dinner guests would lie on couches or cushions with their heads near the table propping themselves up with an elbow. Their legs and feet would be stretched out behind them, away from the table. Sounds kind of uncomfortable to eat in that kind of position, isn't it? But this is the position that Jesus is in at the table. Going on in verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Beautiful story. It appears in this story that Simon didn't consider Jesus to be his honored guest at all. He didn't even extend to him the common acts of hospitality at that time. No foot washing, no kiss on the cheek, no oil on the head. Hospitality was a big deal in Jesus's day. Not doing these kind of things was making a statement. It would be like as if someone came to your house you didn't offer them a place to sit, you didn't take their coat, you didn't offer them a place to sit, what would you feel like? What would they feel like? Maybe you might be thinking, well, they're really not so special to me. So what was the Pharisees' motive in inviting Jesus to dinner? Maybe he was curious about the claims that were being made about Jesus, like Jesus being a great prophet, a miracle worker, one who forgives sin, and he genuinely wanted to learn more about him. Or maybe the Pharisee was testing Jesus. He was looking for more evidence to prove that Jesus wasn't a prophet and not from God at all. We should consider at the time of this dinner invitation the pharisees were opposing jesus and his ministry jesus was often pointing out the pharisees to be self-righteous hypocrites they taught about god they taught about his law but their hearts were far from him they didn't love god they did their deeds to look holy and righteous in front of people but at the same time They showed no love, no compassion, no mercy. They didn't care about others. We can't be sure of Simon's exact motivation for this invitation, but nevertheless, he extended the invitation and Jesus accepted. Now, while Jesus is reclining at the table with his feet behind him, probably in conversation with Simon, a woman, who was known as a sinner, stood behind him, weeping. For this woman to have that kind of reputation at that time, she was likely a prostitute, or at minimum, a habitual, promiscuous woman. She was a well-known sinner in the town. To the self-righteous Pharisee, she would have been considered unclean, untouchable, worthless, one who would defile you just by a mere touch. We can be sure that this woman wasn't on Simon's guest list, but she wasn't a party crasher either. In the first century, the general public was permitted to come in, listen, and learn from these type of dinner conversations. As long as they kept their distance from the table, they could be there. Even though this woman was allowed to be there, she certainly wouldn't have been comfortable in the Pharisee's house. Being known as a sinful woman, we can only surmise she was on the receiving end of stares, put downs, people would have shunned her. She was untouchable in the eyes of the Pharisees. If we can imagine walking into a room of people who you know think they're better than you, who you know are looking down upon you, how would you feel? I think most of us would feel very uncomfortable, very self-conscious. Just a reminder to all of us, don't be those kind of people. But this woman, she didn't let those kind of feelings hold her back. She was intent on going to the Pharisee's house because she heard Jesus was there. She sees an opportunity to express her love and her gratitude to him. So she makes her way to Simon's house with purpose in her heart. We read in Luke 7, verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now perfume that was kept in an alabaster jar was typically typically costly perfume. Somewhere along the way, now I can't talk with my hands, here I am. Somewhere along the way, this woman must have heard Jesus teach, or at least of his teachings. Word was spreading about him. She heard the good news of his love, of his forgiveness, of his peace, of his rest. We had heard last week that Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. To this lost, weary, broken soul who was known as a sinner and who was with men who really never loved her, how beautiful the teachings of Jesus would have been to her. The weight of her sinful life was heavy, And to know that she could be forgiven and to know that she could leave behind her life of sin and shame was an incredible relief to this woman. It caused her heart to overflow with love, gratitude, and worship for her Savior. Her expression of love is such a wonderful example to each one of us today. With a repentant heart, she shows up at the Pharisee's house looking to bless Jesus. She came there with her alabaster jar because she knew Jesus was there. And as she stood behind Jesus, her heart is overwhelmed. Tears are flowing down her face and on to her Savior's feet She kneels down, dries his feet with her very own hair, and out of a heart of love and worship, she kisses his feet over and over. And then she pours perfume on them from the alabaster jar that she brought just for him. How beautiful this sight is to Jesus He sees a repentant sinner who understands her deep need for forgiveness. She is poor in spirit. But Simon certainly doesn't see this to be a beautiful sight. In fact, the scene disgusts him. Through his self-righteous eyes, it just proves that Jesus is no prophet at all. He shows no love, no compassion, no mercy for this woman. We read in Luke verse in Luke verse 39.
1: I know you Italians like to talk with your hands. So.
0: <laughs> we read in Luke verse 39 when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. Now Simon didn't say this out loud, he said this to himself secretly. But Jesus was able to see into Simon's heart as he can see into all of our hearts. And being the prophet that he really was, Jesus responds to what's inside of Simon's heart and he uses a parable. In Luke 7, 40 through 43 we read, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. After Jesus tells this parable to Simon, he went on to make the point that the woman showed him great love. But Simon, not so much. The woman understood the magnitude of her sin. She understood that she had a debt she couldn't pay. And she understood her desperate need for forgiveness. This woman was poor in spirit. Her great love for Jesus was her response for being forgiven. Simon, on the other hand, was lacking love for Jesus. He was blinded by self-righteousness, and he didn't see the desperate need of his soul. We need to see the desperate need of our soul for us to appreciate all that Jesus is to us. In Simon's own eyes, he wasn't a sinner who needed forgiveness. Therefore, he showed Jesus little love. But Simon was wrong. He needed forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. We all owe a debt for sin that we can't pay on our own. And only Jesus could cancel that debt. Maybe Simon's sins weren't as obvious as this woman's. But he was in far, far worse shape. The woman, she recognized her need. She had faith that Jesus had the power to forgive sin. In Luke seven fifty, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. There is no greater peace than to know our sins are forgiven. It's the only way to eternal life. No matter who we are or how big or little we think our sins are, we're all sinners who need Jesus because we can't save ourselves. Jesus rescued us from sin and death. The Apostle Paul said in Romans seven twenty four and 25, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has the power to forgive sin today? That is the deepest, biggest need of our soul recognizing the deepest need for our eternal soul should cause our hearts to overflow with love and thanksgiving to the one who forgives sin. He is the only way to have eternal life and to be in the presence of God forever. And he went to great, great measures to ensure that we could be forgiven so that we could have eternity in heaven. He died on a cross and he sacrificed his life for us. Can we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He deserves all praise. He deserves all worship. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take time to thank him and to worship him because he is worthy. Stand up.
1: Sing this with me. Grace that flows like a river Washing over me Fount of heaven, love Christ overflow. given me life. time, every voice. Thank you, Jesus. You set me free. We thank you, Christ my Savior. You rescued me.
0: he gave us by going to the cross. It should cause our hearts to overflow with great love for him. May that be our hearts desire every day to have great love for the one who loved us so much that he gave up his life. As we take time this week to sit down at a meal and thank the Lord for that meal. Let's remember the amazing sacrifice that he made. He is to be thanked every day. We should have an attitude of thanksgiving in our heart every day, not just one day a year. Amen. If you are new here and you haven't had a time to meet the ministry staff, we'd love to meet you today. Or if you're here and you really, just really don't understand the forgiveness of sin that leads to eternal life, we'd love to spend some time talking with you today. So after we dismiss, we'd love to have you come over to the Welcome Center. We have some refreshments there and we wanna get to know you. Looking forward to seeing you. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, you are so good. There is no other. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you would die to set us free. Lord, thank you for rescuing us from sin and death. Thank you for paying that debt of sin that we could never pay on our own. Lord, thank you for salvation that can only come through faith in Jesus Christ by the precious blood that you shed on the cross. And Lord, I ask your blessing upon your people today, Lord. Be with them. Lord, may your word and your love be so deep in their hearts, Lord that they couldn't help from expressing love to you and to those around. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.